You're listening to the serial podcast production of Hidden Things, written and read by Doyce Testament. This is episode 27, brought to you by Deanna Knipley. Sheriff Fletcher motioned Calliope into a seat in his office. We better make this first part quick. He lowered himself into his chair. I got a sneaking suspicion I'm not going to get a Christmas card if I don't let your mother in here pretty soon. He raised his eyebrows and opened up both his hands, palms up in Calliope's direction. Unless you don't want her in here while we talk. It's not like I need to have your guardian present. Let her sit out there all day if you want, Calliope replied. Her voice was even, but the last few silent minutes of the ride into town had given her time to review the way her mother had played her and cast a gray pallor over what had seemed an impossibly good reunion. The sheriff's eyes flickered at her tone, taking in the high spots of color that shone on her cheeks. He rested his arms on his desktop blotter. Callie, look at me. His tone was private and familiar, so far from his sheriff voice it surprised her into meeting his gaze. When your mother came to the door, he said, her eyes were wet. Now, he raised a hand to forestall Calliope's angry reply. Maybe you got good reason to be upset with her, but you need to know that if she could have wished me off her front step right then, she would have. Calliope opened her mouth, closed it, and turned away from the sheriff's look. Jim Fletcher had always been hard to fool, but, worse, he'd been a hard man to make trouble around. A talk with the sheriff back in high school had left Calliope feeling like she needed to apologize to everyone for being a bother. Fletcher nodded, as though she'd given him some kind of agreement, and leaned back in his chair. So, couple of questions before we bring everyone in. Calliope glanced back through the office window. Her mother stood near the dispatch desk, her arms crossed tightly over her midsection talking with her father, who stood with his back to them. He's thin, Calliope thought. Thinner than the pictures. Sure, she turned back to the sheriff. Just a couple. I'd like to see my dad. Fletcher nodded, his lips pressed together. Fair enough. Back at your folks' house, you said you could straighten this out with a long-distance call. Gonna have that number? Calliope pulled out her cell phone, scrolled to Daryl Johnson's name, and handed it to the sheriff. That's the detective who was investigating my partner's disappearance back in the city. Fletcher squinted and copied the number onto his blotter. And he'll be expecting a call? He handed the phone back to Calliope. She shook her head, dropping the phone back into her left pocket. Expecting it? Not really. The sheriff made an attempt to look confused. As a result, he looked like a police officer who was pretending to look confused. Then how do you know he's going to vouch for you? Calliope shrugged. Don't you know people who'd vouch for you even if you didn't warn them ahead of time? The older man dipped his chin. Sure, he said, pronouncing it the same way Calliope had on their drive to town. So do I, Calliope said. A small, less confident voice in the back of her head hoped she was right. She ignored it. Fletcher gave a short chuckle that someone might have mistaken for a throat clearing. <laughs> Fair enough. Calliope kept her eyes on him. He worked with Special Agent Walker for a couple of days, too. The sheriff's face gave nothing away, but Calliope did notice his hands pause for the barest second as he moved a paper on his desk. That's interesting. 
that you bring that name up. Not that interesting. Calliope settled into the chair, working hard not to favor her shoulder. He's the kind of guy who likes to push badges into people's faces. Not very likable. Jim Fletcher met her eyes. You're not wrong about that. That doesn't mean he's not someone a county sheriff has to at least listen to. Before Calliope could answer, he picked up the handset of his phone. I'm going to call your detective friend and run the county phone bill up a bit, he murmured, his eyes on the numbers scrawled on the blotter. You go give your dad a hug and tell Dwight we all want some coffee. Calliope considered any number of things she wanted to ask the sheriff about what Walker had said to him. While she didn't think he would ask her anything she couldn't, one way or the other, answer in front of her parents, there were a number of things she wanted to ask him while they had some privacy, but it looked like her chance was already gone. She stood up and let herself out of the office. Behind her, the sheriff watched her leave, his eyes sharp. Calliope walked through the sheriff's department, feeling that familiar frisson that always filled the air when strangers were around law officers in their private space. It didn't matter if the visitors were victims or criminals, alleged or convicted. Calliope thought the simple fact was that there were strangers in perhaps the one place that an officer could feel legitimately safe, and it put them on edge. Since starting work with Josh, she'd experienced and caused that discomfort many times. She located the deputy that Jim Fletcher had pointed out, the youngest in the room, and repeated his message, then continued toward her parents. Her father still hadn't turned around when she'd reached them. He was speaking to her mother in the low, steady murmur of half-spoken words and inflection that functions as a kind of impenetrable code between long-time couples. Something inherently stubborn in Calliope's makeup kept her from walking up next to the pair. She stopped, her hands in her pockets, and waited for him to turn around. Her eyes scanned the back of his neck, looking for the scars from the cancer surgery her mother had mentioned, but the collar of his coat was pulled high and tight against his hairline. Her position meant that she was easily visible to her mother, who had watched first Calliope, then her husband as her daughter had crossed the room. Now her eyes, troubled in a way that Calliope found perversely comforting, found Calliope's for a moment. She nodded in a particular way and took a half-step back from the closed huddle. Her father turned. Calliope's first instinct, brutally suppressed, was to turn away or close her eyes. From her chair in Jim Fletcher's office, he had looked thin, but she realized now that the jacket had given her a false impression of his remaining bulk. He was rail-thin, gangly, in the way that teenage boys were, with joints that seemed too big for their limbs. His cheekbones and jawline were far more pronounced than she remembered. Even the ridge along his temples seemed to press at his skin, and his fair hair had washed out to gray. Your mom says you two had a good talk. He reached his arms toward her, an invitation more than an embrace. Yeah. Calliope stepped into his arms and squeezed almost as tightly as she could with one arm, then squeezed once more, harder. Where's the rest of you? She exclaimed. Her voice was muffled by his coat, but he chuckled and stepped back. Oh, you know, the treatments are a pretty good diet program. He patted his stomach with one long-fingered hand. I'm putting it back on, though. Twenty. Treatments? Calliope shot a look at her mother. What kind of treatments? He frowned in turn. Doesn't matter. They didn't take that long, and I'm fine. You... Hey, he interrupted. His eyes met hers and matched the stone in his voice. We're not doing this here. It's not why we're standing in the sheriff's office. 
We're going to talk about that. Calliope glared at him, feeling a familiar obstinacy seep into her in reaction to his tone. How about I say I'm fine and not to worry about it and not tell you anything about what's going on? How's that sound? You two stop. Her mother stepped forward next to her husband and gave the sleeve of his coat a soft slap. No one's been explaining anything to anyone for a long time. It's mostly my fault, I'm sure, so can we please just stop? She shared a quick, surprisingly pleading look with Calliope. Calliope hesitated, her instinctively combative habits wrestling with a real, if newfound, desire to make peace. Finally, she motioned over her shoulder with her hand. Jim's calling someone I know back in the city who can probably straighten everything out. The police detective? Phyllis asked. At her husband's look, she explained. She's been working with the police on the disappearance of her friend. Partner. She looked back at Calliope. She works with the police a lot, as part of their business. That last wasn't anything Calliope had told her, or even implied, but it wasn't really wrong. And it felt good, if more than a little weird, to hear her mother embellishing her accomplishments on the retelling. And get shot, her father said, low enough that Calliope didn't think anyone else had heard. That, she stepped in closer to him, that isn't going to help me get out of here faster. If. I told Mom. It isn't anything I could get in trouble for. Calliope interrupted. She winced inwardly, not at the falsehood, but how easy it had become to lie to her family. But things like that automatically mean that reports need to be filed. She indicated the rest of the officers with her hand. At best, I'd be here filling out paperwork for most of a day. At worst, Jim would make me go back to where it happened and fill out the paperwork there. She looked up into her father's eyes. I don't have that kind of time. Not right now. The real reason she didn't want the gunshot wound mentioned, that the sheriff would ask who had shot her, or, worse, might have a good guess, would have bad enough consequences that Calliope tried not to think about it. Suppose that's true. The muscles in her father's jaw, far too easy to make out under his taut skin, worked. Mostly because people getting shot are what police are supposed to take care of. Dad, please. Calliope touched her father's sleeve. The door to the sheriff's office opened, and Calliope turned. The youngest deputy, Dwight, pushed himself out of his chair and headed for the break room's coffee machine. The sheriff watched him go, shook his head a single time, then turned back to Calliope and her parents. Why don't you folks come on in? So as I understand it, Fletcher began once Calliope and her parents were seated. Your partner's dead. He's missing. Calliope felt her mother's eyes on her, but her father's gaze stayed on his friend on the other side of the desk. Detective Johnson said he was reported dead. The sheriff leaned forward on his blotter. I'm no expert on it, but that is usually how a murder investigation gets started. Did he mention the answering machine message? Calliope said. Her voice sounded high and uneven in her own ears, but no one else in the room seemed to notice. The sheriff looked at her, his face tired. He did. His eyes slid to her mother, and he seemed to remember that they weren't alone. He sat up. It seems that Calliope's partner, who was reported dead, also left a message on their office's answering machine several hours after his alleged remains were found. So he's not dead, her mother asked. The sheriff blew air through his teeth, his eyebrows raised. If he isn't, he's been missing more than a week. Let's say it raises doubt. His eyes flickered back to Calliope. His wife is flying out to identify the body for sure. 
He's married? The last was to Calliope. Calliope raised her eyebrows. We just work together, Mom. We're not. We're friends. She crossed her arms. I'm just trying to see if I can find him. See, Sheriff Fletcher interjected. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Why would you get involved in looking for him? Calliope tilted her head, barely able to contain her instinctive sarcasm. Well, we do find people for a living. It was a glib truth that she hoped the others would take at face value. And I've known him long enough to know where he's likely to be, how and where he grew up. He used to live near Harper's Ferry, first with his parents, then they died, then him and his brother and a great aunt, then just the two of them for a while after she died, then just him after he lost his brother. Harper's Ferry's nowhere near here, though, the sheriff replied. If you were coming to visit your folks, that's fine, but if you were in a hurry, this is out of the way. On a second message, he told me to talk to my mom. Calliope's face felt hot, which I know sounds weird, but I figured there might be some kind of reason. Detective Johnson didn't mention that part. The sheriff looked at Phyllis. Had you two met? No. Calliope braced herself, caught in an admission she couldn't see a way to avoid. But he came out here one time. She wanted nothing more than to pull her head down between her shoulders, but she sat straight and kept her eyes on the sheriff. With me. Her mother blinked. You've never brought anyone here. Calliope looked at her without meeting her eyes. I did, Mom. Three years ago. At the confused look from her mother, she added, I didn't quite make it. Her eyes moved to the floor. We turned around about ten miles up the road and went back. The room was silent. Caught in the middle of something unexpected, Jim Fletcher cleared his throat and shifted his pen on the desk. Are we that horrible? Phyllis whispered, her eyes fixed on her own white, intertwined fingers. Don't you remember? Calliope's voice rose. Do you even remember the last time? Settle down, her father said, his voice even, his eyes on the far wall behind Jim Fletcher. You... Calliope turned in her chair toward him, grounding out some of her growing anger in the abrupt motion. I'm sorry, Dad, but you weren't there, and the one time you did actually talk to me afterward, you told me not to come back. Not to ever come back. You don't. Her father's eyes hardened, then flickered toward the sheriff. You don't do that and expect me not to say something. What I... Calliope's eyes went to her mother, her chest tight as she started to see the scope of what had happened, what had been done to her family's memory of her. What did you tell him? Folks, the sheriff said, I'm not sure this is a talk anyone needs to have in public. Christ, Jim, you know everything, her father said. You're the one who went looking for her. He... Calliope felt her head tip as though she'd heard the words wrong, felt the room start to tilt as well, her breath go short as the last ten years of her life rewrote themselves as she watched. What? No one would look her in the face. Finally, the sheriff cleared his throat. He brought his blue eyes up and met Calliope's. Your mother and you had an argument, he said, his voice even and measured as though reciting something memorized. One of several that year. His eyes flickered to her mother, whose head was turned away, the fingers of her clenched fist, pressed to her chin. 
By some accounts, they occurred almost daily. He cleared his throat, glancing down at his desk for a moment, then back to Calliope. In this case, your mother was struck. I'm sorry, a small voice cried in the back of her mind. I told her I was sorry. I take it back. And you left. I threw her out. Phyllis sounded like she'd been holding her breath. Neither of the men said anything, but the look they exchanged told Calliope that this was the first time they'd heard the words. I was so... She squeezed her eyes shut. I was so tired of fighting all the time. It was so hard. I just... I'm sorry, Calliope. Mom, I should have done this before. She walked out of the kitchen. Pack now. Get out of my house. The house was quiet as she pulled the door shut behind her. Gave up. Calliope's voice was barely a whisper, rough with unshed tears. The office rang with the silence. So did I. No one spoke for a minute. Finally, the sheriff cleared his throat. Your parents asked me to try and find you. His eyes went to her father, then back to her. When your sister got your letter, they decided to let things work out on their own, since you were already well out of the state. Phyllis let out a laugh that was more than half sob. That didn't work out so well. Our daughter hates us. No. Calliope shook her head, frowning at the sheriff's words more than her mother's. No, Mom, I just... I got scared. That? Her father sat forward in his chair, resting his elbows on his knees, and rubbed at the bridge of his nose with both index fingers. Your logic makes my head hurt, little girl. The childhood phrase brought a faint, sad smile to Calliope's lips. Josh didn't really understand either. She glanced at her parents. He really wanted to meet you. And after we got back home, we... He broke up with me. Phyllis frowned. But you started working with him in September. It's complicated, Mom, Calliope cut in. The band wasn't working after he left, so I decided to get into the new business with him. He offered. She sat back in the chair and crossed her arms, feeling defensive. It's complicated. That's a pretty good word for it, the sheriff said. His voice was too loud in the tension of the room, but it served to shift attention away from the revelations of the past few minutes. The thing is, with a history like that, if you hadn't had about the best alibi you could have, complicated would have turned into suspicious as soon as your partner was reported missing. He looked at his desk, then back at Calliope. As it stands, it's just curious as all hell. Calliope watched Jim Fletcher's face, looking for a sign that she had another enemy to worry about. You jumping in on the investigation of the case, Sheriff? Kelly, her mother began. No? Sheriff raised his hands. It's a fair question. Oh, I think the answer's pretty obvious. He leaned forward, his elbows resting on his desk, unconsciously mimicking her father, and looked at Calliope. I got a badge waving in my face, as you put it, telling me I should give someone a call if I get any word of Miss Calliope Jenkins anywhere in my jurisdiction. He glanced sidelong at Phyllis, but returned his attention to Calliope. Person you're looking for is an ex-boyfriend who's now your business partner, which might be a problem except you're only in the company for 10%, and his 90% goes to his wife if he's declared dead, according to Detective Johnson. He sat back in his chair. His eyes were still on Calliope, but rather than meeting her gaze, he seemed to appraise her. 
Then Calliope Jenkins shows up at her parents' house, who are friends of mine, and I hope still are after all this, and she's looking a little cat-dragged and a little wild-eyed, and his lips narrowed. She's favoring her right side the way someone does when it hurts like Mary Hell and she doesn't want the sheriff to notice. He leaned forward again, lacing the fingers of his hands together, but leaving them lying on his desk. I'm not working on your case, but I suddenly have a situation dumped in my lap that could turn into a hell of a mess if I just ignore it. Calliope felt as if the bandage wrap had tightened around her chest again. What do you want me to tell you, Sheriff Fletcher? Her voice was soft, not out of any particular self-control or consideration, but simply because she couldn't force any more air out. I just want to see if I can find my friend. I only came here to see my parents. I wasn't causing trouble, and I'm still not. You have to see, Fletcher began. Everything you said is right, Calliope continued, and everything I just told you, you already know. She spread her hands, palms up, in her lap. You called Detective Johnson, and he told you everything he knew, it sounds like, and that's all I've got. There's no dark secret or big truth I can pull out to make everything come clear. Who shot you? Her father asked. For several seconds, Calliope continued to look at the sheriff, hoping she'd somehow dropped into one of the surreal dreams that had dogged her since the start of the trip. Jim Fletcher's eyes tracked to her father, then back to her, and he tilted his head slightly, waiting. Keeping still simply to contain the frantic, nervous energy in her chest, Calliope turned her head toward her father. What? He didn't return her look. His eyes were on his hands, his thumb rubbing along a callus on the outside edge of his left index finger. Who shot you? He repeated, almost talking to himself. Seems like that's the only big thing we don't know. The corner of his mouth drew up in a humorless smile. Seems kind of important to me. Oh, Calliope replied. She turned back to face the sheriff, though her eyes were focused on nothing in particular. This is where it ends, she thought. I'm not going to find Josh or anything. There was a finality, almost release. To the thought. I lose. Callie, the sheriff began. Walker. Calliope lifted her head, looking him in the eye. She heard a kind of wordless, confused sound from her mother. Special Agent Walker shot me, in the shoulder, with his service piece. It was Jim Fletcher's turn for his eyes to go wide. After a few seconds, they resumed their typical hooded expression and he looked down at the small pile of notes between his hands. When was this? His jaw firmed, and he looked back up at Calliope. Two days ago, Calliope felt cold, detached from her own body. In Colorado, Castle Rock. The sheriff nodded. Sounds from the outer office seeped in to fill the empty space between the room's four occupants. Guess I need to ask for your personal effects, Callie, for safekeeping. He glanced up at her, then back at his desk. Figure you know the deal. I do. Calliope pushed herself up out of her chair and dug in her pockets. She felt numb, detached from herself. After everything that she'd gone through, the enormity of what this meant for her, for Josh, was simply too much to process. What? Her mother seemed to choke the word out around her own surprise. She looked at the sheriff, 
then Calliope, then back to Fletcher. What are you doing? It's fine, Mom. Calliope dumped her keys on the sheriff's desk and pulled out her wallet. That's pretty much everything I have on me, she said to Fletcher. It's not fine, Phyllis turned to her husband. Her father cleared his throat. You gonna hand my daughter over to the man that shot her, Jim? Dad? No. The words seemed to come out of the sheriff's mouth reluctantly. He shook his head, looking away from all three of them. No, I don't suppose I am. His gaze moved back to her father and settled on Calliope. I can still lock her up for a couple days, though. Calliope blinked, trying to keep up with the sudden shift in conversation. What? Her voice sounded remarkably similar to the way her mother had only a few seconds ago. The sheriff leaned back, considering. Might not be such a bad idea. Excuse me? Calliope turned to look at her father, but his eyes were still on his hands. It seemed to Calliope that he didn't want to look up and see her face, or the face of his friend. She turned back to the sheriff, whose eyes were also looking away from her and her father. Oddly, he was watching her mother, who sat with her arms crossed tightly over her ribs, the fingers of one fist pressed to her mouth. Calliope shook her head and picked up her keys. No, honey, her father began. Not just no, but hell no, she cut in, glaring at Fletcher. Your partner's wife comes in to identify the body in the next day or so, the sheriff said. Figure you'll be fine if you just stay out of the way until then. Let that question get answered. He sat back in the chair. Unless you promise to stay at your parents' house that long. No! At some level, Calliope barely understood. One that might not have even existed a few days ago. She knew that she had to find Josh before Lauren saw the body. That it was, in Vicus's words, the way it worked. You didn't have any problem with this when you thought I was turning you over to Walker, Fletcher said. Now you do. When I'm not? Doesn't make much sense. You want to do your job, Jim? That's fine. I understand that. She pushed her chair to the side and stepped away from the desk. You want to lock me up for safekeeping? Treat me like I need babysitting? Fuck you. Calliope Jenkins! Oh, what, Mom? Calliope rounded on her mother. You want to put me in some jammies and get me a pacifier? Because I have a suggestion. You want to be real careful what you say next, her father murmured. His voice was quiet but it cut through the room. That's your mother. The tone of his voice, so familiar, the sound of dozens of arguments Calliope had lost as a child, cooled her ire only slightly. What do you... No, Phyllis interrupted, shaking her head. Kelly, they're just... You know they're not going to do that. She looked at the two men. Jim? The sheriff shifted in his chair. Your daughter's already been shot once. He jerked his chin toward the outer door of the department. Guy that did it's out there, probably not that far away, and he still has his gun and a badge. Her mother's face pinched with frustration. So you're going to... Calliope shook her head, short and sharp. You know what? Go ahead. Calliope turned from her mother back to the sheriff. I changed my mind. I want you to do this. Fletcher studied her, his own poker expression holding. I'm not sure I believe you. Oh, you can believe me. Calliope bit off her words. I'll end you. The sheriff's eyebrows raised slightly. Really? Really? Calliope motioned toward the phone. You just got off the phone with a cop who vouched for me, and cops don't even like me. I live in the most litigious city on the planet, and I chase down alimony dodgers, 
parole skips, and guys sneaking out on big legal fees for a living. Lawyers fucking love me. And I can think of a half dozen assholes who would sue not only you, but the entire department into bankruptcy for free, even if they didn't owe me. It would be fun for them. Fletcher smiled slightly. I don't think, and it will take years. Calliope drew out the word, letting it soak up some of the anger boiling just beneath the surface. You'll be going to hearings for so long, it'll feel like a second career. She gestured at the window of the office, ignoring the pain in her shoulder. Lock me up. Start the nightmare. Silence poured back into the room. Her mother was looking down at the floor, wearing a peculiar expression Calliope couldn't identify. The sheriff continued to watch Calliope's face, then turned toward her father, who finally looked up at his friend. Jesus, Jim, her father said, his voice still pitched low. He coughed lightly, and when he pulled his hand away from his mouth, Calliope saw a wry smile. I don't think she likes that idea. The sheriff pursed his lips, shaking his head. Doesn't sound like it. To Calliope, it seemed like he was about to start laughing. You? Her mouth worked open and shut several times in exasperation. Her mother stood up. All right, that's enough. You? Calliope was still trying to find the words for her next assault on the smirking pair of men. Shh. Her mother patted her arm. Give your father a hug and I'll drive you back to the house. Calliope looked at her mother. Seeing her face, the older woman nodded, her expression a mixture of amusement and annoyance. Yes, they're being awful, I know. Give your dad a hug. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hidden Things Audiobook Podcast. This DRM-free production was made possible by the Hidden Things Audiobook Kickstarter backers and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 license. As always... Watch out for the hidden things. Mm-hmm.